Through the Advent season, this season of the coming of Christ that is celebrated and anticipated, we've been looking at John the Baptist, and we're going to continue to do that this morning by looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. Uh, the words will be on the screen, or if you'd like to follow along in the scriptures in your pew Bibles, you can find that on page 1053. Again, from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, verses 25 through 34. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, of course, one of the great joys of Christmas is the exchange of gifts. And we exchange gifts. It's interesting. People who have no interest in the true meaning of Christmas still want to participate in the gift exchange. An opportunity to bless those that we know and we love with different things. And of course, one of the real joys of that is being able to give things that people want. You know, we are blessed, most of us here, with easily obtaining the things that we need in life. And we don't give as gifts on Christmas, food or toiletries, the necessities of life. No, instead we, we give toys, we give games, we give new clothing to wear, or new accessories, just fun things that bring some delight, a little bit of joy to our lives. That's what Christmas is about, this opportunity to get some of the things that we want. But as much as this day is about the wants that we have, I would like us to also think about needs. Because as we heard this morning, life is short. And in the end, as we take this season to reflect upon not only the fact that Jesus once came, but we know that someday he is coming again, what in this life makes life worthwhile what makes this life a good life when we look at at clara's life and and gordy's life what in the end will we be able to say they lived their lives well and their lives were blessed and i promise you the answer to that question is not found under any christmas tree or in any package or in any box as I mentioned, throughout this season of Advent, we have been looking at the ministry, 
the mission and the work of John the Baptist. And this morning we're looking at one of the greatest claims that he made as he was called to prepare the way of the Lord. The text talks about a time when John sees Jesus and he says that very familiar phrase, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now the first thing to point out is that that phrase is, as I said, very familiar. We can think of many artistic representations of the Lamb of God, stained glass windows or, or artistic drawings of a lamb that was uh, majestic in many ways. We can think of songs that we sing that use these words, the Lamb of God. If you Google the Lamb of God is what it wants to autofill in in all of its things. And in fact, it's so familiar that while few of you may be able to actually come up with this, Many of you know the Latin for this phrase, Agnus Dei, which is the Lamb of God, having sung songs in choir or heard that before. It is very familiar, but that leads to the next thing that's kind of interesting, is as familiar as this phrase is, that particular putting together of the Lamb of God only appears in John chapter 1. In verse 29 that we read, and just after where we dropped off in verse 36, John the Baptist says this phrase about Jesus. And it's the only time the Lamb of God appears in the Bible. And because of that, many people ask the question, well, why would John the Baptist identify and call Jesus the Lamb of God? Of all of the things that are found in the New Testament, why come up with this new and unique one? What are you trying to do in comparing Jesus to a lamb? And do think about that. When we think of lamb, what do we think of? We think of phrases and ideas like meek, timid, vulnerable, docile. Those are not very complimentary things. As we looked at a couple of weeks ago, like John the Baptist, Jesus had been coming up in popularity. His, his uh, mission and his, his message was getting known and heard by more and more people. And people were interested and they were starting to come and to listen and to be baptized by his disciples. And you have this up and coming person and then now you're calling him a, a lamb. As one commentary read, I read on this text reminded me that whenever you compare someone to an animal, it's very rarely complimentary. Think about someone who eats like a pig, walks around like a bull in a china shop, or looks like a dog. None of those things are complimentary. Maybe if you're you know, as strong as an ox or you're hungry like a lion as an athlete, those could be complimentary. But, but a lamb? Again, imagine you have an up-and-coming athlete in your favorite sports team or a politician who's, who's getting notoriety and is getting known as maybe the future of the party that you support. And then someone would look at them and compare them to a lamb, meek, lowly, vulnerable. But in many ways, that's why this text is appropriate for Christmas. Because we celebrate today the fact that the eternal, infinite God took on flesh, became God with us, and was born as an infant. 
Think of some of the songs that we just sang or sing around this time that describe that infant. Infant lowly, meek, and mild. And today is a day where we recognize that God, in taking on flesh, became vulnerable. Vulnerable to hurt and pain and and criticism, vulnerable to all of the struggles of this world. And today we celebrate the fact that we worship a God who isn't distant and absent and, and vague, but he is a God among us that knows the darkness of this world because he's experienced it. And he has walked with us. He knows the trials and struggles of life. And when Jesus came to this earth, he didn't come as a mighty king who wore robes or walked the halls of glory and majesty and royalty. But he came as a lowly, poor, vulnerable child. And that's part of what we celebrate today. The fact that our God loved us so much that he would come to dwell among us. But of course, because of the prophecies and the message of the angels, we know that that little vulnerable infant that was placed in in an animal feed trough for his first bed was someone special. We know that this Little infant was more than just another child so special that, that yes, the angels themselves had to announce him and that a new star was placed in the sky to guide the Magi to his presence. And we realize that we don't just celebrate that Jesus came, but we start to recognize that he was sent and he was sent for a purpose. And that's where we start to really unfold what John was talking about when he identified Jesus as the Lamb of God. It wasn't his vulnerability, but it says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now notice, first of all, in that statement, that sin is singular. Not the sins of the world, but the sin of the world. The sin of the world is rebellion against God. That though God is the great and powerful, all-eternal creator who spoke everything into its existence, that humanity decided that we did not want a God. That we wanted to do things our own way. Instead of loving God as we were created with our whole heart, mind, and soul, and strength, we hated him. We hated that he tried to tell us how to live lives in the world that he had created. And we decided for ourselves that we would rather do things our own way. And so we rebelled against God. And in that rebellion, we call sin. And that sin has earned God's wrath against us. He's angry at our sin, and that sin allows us, it forces us to not be associated with his presence, and it must be dealt with. And as we think about how sin is dealt with, and how it can be taken away, that's when we start to think about other illusions that the Old Testament does make to lambs. Although it doesn't say the phrase, the Lamb of God, there are many times where lambs are mentioned. So we think of example, uh, John, I'm sorry, Genesis 22. 
where when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his only son through Sarah, Isaac asked, where is the lamb of the sacrifice? And Abraham said that God will provide the lamb. And just when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, indeed, God did provide a ram that was a substitute for the sacrifice of his son. Or we think of Isaiah 53, a prophecy that talks about a suffering service servant, one who would be bruised for our iniquity, who through his pain we would be healed, and who like a lamb would be led to the slaughter. Or we would especially think about the Passover lamb of Exodus chapter 12. How at the time when the plagues were going through Egypt and in order to prepare for the Israelites being sent free, that in order to be protected by that final plague of the angel of death taking the firstborn, that a lamb was sacrificed. Its blood was collected and then painted on its doorpost so that when the angel of death came through, it would pass over the homes where the blood was painted on the doorposts. And when we start to think about those images, we don't think of a lamb so much as being meek and lowly, but we think of a lamb as a sacrifice. We think of blood, and, and the imagery takes a dark turn, but a necessary turn. Because again, not only do we celebrate today that Jesus came, but we recognize why he came. Because in destroying our relationship with God, there was nothing that we could do to fix it. No amount of sorries that we could say, I'm sorry I did that. No amount of good things that we could cover up. Well, I, I did all these good things to try to make it better. No amount of comparing ourselves to others. Well, at least I'm better than that person. Would ever be able to reconcile us to God. Because of our sins, our relationship with God was forever broken. And we could do nothing. But God did everything. That is why Jesus came in the flesh. He came to be born as a human being able to represent us. He came to be born the Lord of life himself, completely perfect, never sinning in order that he had no debt of his own that was worthy of God's wrath. And because of that, he did offer himself as our substitute as that perfect sacrifice. And when he shed his blood on the cross, when we turn to him in faith, the wrath of God was poured on him, and we are forgiven. You say, well, how do you know? And that's where John the Baptist said, I didn't know him myself, but I saw the signs that were spoken of. And we see that Jesus performed signs. He did miracles to reveal who he was. And most importantly, we see him come out of the grave, a victor over death. That on Easter, that the grave, death could not contain him, but he reclaimed his life, showing that he had power over death and all of the darkness of this world, promising those that believe in him eternal life in glory with him forever. And that is what we believe the phrase, behold the Lamb of God, means. 
which is where we get back to the very beginning. What was John the Baptist seeking to do? He was seeking to prepare the way for the Lord, to point people so that they could be ready to receive the Savior. And this is one of his clearest indications of who Jesus truly was, the Lamb of God. And what John was hoping to do, I just hope to do today, that you would recognize who that infant child we celebrate this morning truly is. God taken on flesh, not just to dwell among us as a meek and lowly human being to experience life with us and to walk life alongside of us, but as the Lamb of God who would be sacrificed in order to take away the sin, our sin, and heal our relationship with God. Friends, of all of the things that we opened today that we want and had hoped for and, and were excited to receive, that's not what we need. The one thing we need in this life is to come to a proper understanding of who we are and how we can restore the relationship with our Father in heaven that we broke through our sin. And that need was met in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who was born a lowly infant and then went to a cross and rose again victorious from the grave. And I pray today you would behold, see, receive, and in faith accept that Lamb of God into your life and that that light would change the way that you live your lives. It would give you meaning and purpose for everything that you do. That's the gift that we need. And I hope that that's the gift that you receive this day. The Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Toward that end, let's pray. Father in heaven, as we celebrate the coming of your son, we recognize his need to come was a need that we created and as we think about how Adam and Eve rebelled against you in the garden by disobeying your one command, we recognize that we have followed right in their footsteps. And over and over again, we too have looked and known what your will is, and we have gone the other way. And it is our sin that caused the darkness and our sin that needed the light of your life. Which is why we thank you this morning for coming and bringing that gift. For becoming a lowly infant. A meek and a mild savior. One who can relate to our experiences. But more importantly, a lamb whose blood was shed in order to redeem us. To be our substitute. To bear the wrath that you have against our sins so that we might be clean and righteous in your eyes. Thank you for that gift. May all those who have heard that news before celebrate it anew this morning. For those who may be contemplating that gift for the first time in their lives, may they receive anew for the first time that gift that you offer to them because that alone is our greatest need. We thank you for meeting it and we pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.